This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host today, Carrie Borkowski. Um, my co-host, Brianne, is on a much-deserved uh, vacation this week with her family. And we were supposed to be doing some recording earlier this week with a guest, actually a couple of guests, and things just, you know, got in the way. So we decided to postpone the interviews with the guests till next week. And I told Brianne that I would do a short while she was enjoying some some rest and relaxation in the sun. So <clears throat> as we get close to wrapping up season four, if you can believe it, we're already into April. I really don't know where March went. Um, Brianne and I are thinking about what's what's next. Where are we going to go with the pod? And we have been journeying into this definition of belonging really for the past couple of years, and we have had a great opportunity to amass some beautiful data, and we'll be spending the summer coding um, some of that data for some publications that we're working on for the summer and fall. And in our sort of, you know, examination and reflection of the conversations, the interviews, and the data that we have, we've really noticed a theme and multiple themes, one of which is this idea of self and whether it's talking to leaders and thinking about leading from inside out, right? So sort of owning and understanding who you are and the impact that that has on the external world and how oftentimes change really doesn't happen until we change from within. So that's been something that's come up. We also noticed in the interviews that we did with folks at the height of the pandemic that there was a lot of conversation around self-care and returning to self and checking in with self and then also checking in with others and, and their selves, right? And so we've really noticed that, you know, in order to show up for others, to create environments and conditions <clears throat> that are welcoming, inviting, and conducive to a sense of belonging or supporting a sense of belonging, a perception of belonging, it really requires self-work. And so we are thinking that season five will be a, a, a journey into belonging to self and what that means. And so I thought just to get us started or to give you sort of a, 
a teaser, if you will, for what might be to come, I thought my short would in part focus on a little bit on belonging to self. And so it's funny, I know I've said on the podcast before that, um, you know, when the universe speaks to me um, many days through many different people, I should probably pay attention. And I had this wonderful conversation this week with a a dear friend. He's also a student, but has become a dear friend. And, um, we were talking about, he said he's traveling. And when we got on the, the zoom call, he said that, that I had been on his mind and then he was, has been thinking a lot about transitions and belonging to self. And I was like, okay, <laughs> my ears sort of perked up since that's a topic that's been on my mind. Um, and Brianne's mind really for the past, um, gosh, probably the past year, and so he was sharing with me, um, he, he's a practicing Buddhist. I think he would identify in that way. And he was talking about this idea of you have arrived um, and the idea that you are enough. And so what if we could imagine a space or a place where we could own that, that this idea that you have arrived, that regardless of what you do today, what you accomplish or don't accomplish on your checklist, you have already arrived. You you are here. You are good. You are enough. And so we had this wonderful conversation about, you know, how um, systems in place and the social norms and expectations really make it hard to remember that that you have arrived. And in a lot of ways, it feels like these journeys, this life that we're all a part of is is a quest of sorts. It's a quest to be seen. It's a quest to understand and sort of grow into our true selves um, and to really believe and live in a way where we have arrived, that there is some belonging to self. And I, I know I've mentioned it several times on the pod uh, Maya Angelou's sense of belonging, that belonging everywhere and be- and belonging nowhere, belonging to self, right? So I can imagine being able to step into a room and whether or not you belong in that space or you perceive a sense of belonging, true belonging is belonging to self, is that you're your home. Um, and, and this person I was speaking to earlier in the week talked about being at home in our, in our own otherness, right. In our differences. And I know other, other being othered is not a good thing in the, the system sense of things and people are othered and we do a lot of othering to each other. And I think though, you know, being at home in our otherness is this idea that we are different. We do not have to abide by the system and being at home and being okay with that. So this this sense of of you have arrived. And so again, when the universe is speaking to me, I, I try to listen. And it's funny because I'm taking a class right now on, it's called... Um, self and identity. And so this week we've been talking about and reading about um, groups and social identities. And the conversation this week was all around 
the idea that, um, you know, sort of the impact that social identities have on us. And of course, this is where stereotypes and um, prejudice and discrimination can occur. And what, what we were talking about is this idea of depersonalization, right? So if you're holding on to this idea that, of belonging to self and this quest to be seen, the social sort of systems that we have in place, and even from a cognitive standpoint, um, we tend to lean toward this idea of depersonalization, which is you see you know, you see this person as the characteristics of a group rather than seeing the individual. So we really do have to work hard to identify and feel like we have arrived because it feels oftentimes that the systems in place, the social norms, the socially constructed ideas are pushing against us, right? There's sort of this, this ongoing tension. And so for example, um, you know, I am a, <clears throat> I'm a, you know, gay woman, academic. Um, I am a runner. I'm a mom, right? So I'm a part of these different groups, right? So if, if you take my academic identity, a simple example is you know, rather than seeing me for who I might be and how I might show up and how I might think, someone might quickly, because I'm a part of an academic community, might think, um, you know, something um, about the group, like what their belief is around faculty or academics as being, um, I don't know, I don't know what people think about academics, <laughs> to be honest, maybe that we're we're boring, that we just want to be in our offices doing research and we're disconnected from the world. And that might be true, you know, right? Because this, this, some stereotypes start out as being true. But the point I'm trying to make is that whatever groups you identify with, this idea of depersonalization is that they see an individual may see the group to which you belong before they see you, right? And so this all comes back to the question of how do we cultivate belonging to self and then how do we we sort of project and show and authentically be whomever that person is, right? Whatever belonging to self means to you when we have these systems, right, that keep pushing um, and trying to fit us in little boxes. Because the reality is, and our professor told us this um, you know, cognitively speaking, our brains, it is our human nature to want to organize and catalog things so it's easier to recall, right? We we have a very sort of reductionist <laughs> approach um, to some of these things. So it's much easier for us to think about someone as part of a group versus trying to pick up all of the texture, the color, the nuance to discern. So in, in that process, we sometimes lose our own personal identity. Now, if it's taken one step further, um, it gets quite serious because you're thinking about dehumanizing individuals, which at that point, it's it goes beyond depersonalization, which is you lose the individual characteristics amongst the group 
dehumanizing is saying that, you know, you don't even believe that they are a human being. And this would be, you know, extreme cases of trauma like the Holocaust and slavery and human trafficking, you know, all of those sorts of sorts of things. So, um, and I know this is getting a little, <laughs> our, our professor warned us that this would be some hard conversations to have, but, you know, if we want to um, achieve this idea of belonging to self, we need to be aware, right? We talk on this podcast a lot about being intentional and being present. And so we can't be naive about some of the tensions that are around us that make it more difficult to belonging to self. So speaking of tensions, we've talked a lot on this podcast around fitting in versus belonging, right? And I think uh, Brene Brown talks about how fitting in is sort of a close enemy. I forget the exact words that she uses, but the worry around fitting in is that really is preventing and getting in the way of belonging, that we 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 th- sometimes think that fitting in, that assimilating, that taking on the characteristics of a group um, or being, you know, um, acting in a certain way in a class or in a meeting is belonging. When in fact, being unable to bring our whole selves into a space to feel the vulnerability, to be courageous enough to show up as ourselves is really creating spaces of belonging. And so again, you know, we find ourselves in positions of comparing ourselves, trying to live up to a set of standards or or expectations that quite frankly, sometimes those expectations are somewhere out there in the ether and we don't know where they came from. We don't know whose expectations. Sometimes we don't even know what the expectations are. And uh, most importantly, even if we could identify and define those expectations, we don't even value those expectations. So I find myself in coaching sessions with clients asking, you know, someone might say, um, I'm just not working enough or I'm not, I'm not doing this enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not earning enough, whatever this sort of scarcity mindset is. And so a question I ask is, um, you know, what's enough? what are the expectations? What are the standards? And oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes it stops the person in their tracks. I mean, I've been asked these questions in my own coaching sessions and I'm like, oh, wait a second, whose standards are those? And then when I figure out, again, if there even is someone to assign to those standards, which isn't always the case, what's important about those standards to me, right? How do they honor what I value, what I prioritize. And often the tension is that there's these external expectations that do not align with your own core values. And so the work in coaching, the work on this this journey, right, this quest to find ourselves is to to do what Parker Palmer tells us, which is to work towards living an undivided life, or as Brene Brown talks about, this integration, right? That that you can show up living your core values and doing the work so that it does align with your core values. So 
fitting in is is not belonging and and you know learning what belonging to self means and understanding who we are at our core I think helps us to recognize that when we find ourselves in different spaces and places. It was really interesting. Yesterday I was listening to um, a We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach and her sister Abby. And I don't even remember what the topic of the podcast was. Um, I can't think of it right now. But they were having this short conversation around the idea of politeness and both Abby, I don't know really who started it, but both Abby and Glennon were talking about this idea of politeness is not kindness. And I was walking, I was hiking with, with Grady, our dog in the, in the woods. And it sort of, it stopped me in my tracks because I definitely, um, grew up, um, as many of us did, um, as kids learning to say, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you. Um, at sometimes it felt like at all costs, meaning, you know, if we forgot, maybe we wouldn't get, get a response. And it's interesting to, to think about politeness is not kindness. And I was like, Hmm, what is that? Politeness is not kindness. And so they went on a little bit further and, Abby, no, Abby, it wasn't Abby, it was Amanda who said, because she usually brings the definitions, which I always appreciate about her, she reminded um, Abby and Glennon that this idea of politeness comes from, or the definition, like, uh, way back when, right, the etymology of politeness is around to polish, to make smooth, and I immediately, my head started nodding as I was walking in the woods because what I thought about was the idea of fitting in, right? To make it sort of, to make smooth to me felt like you sort of just grin and the word that came to mind is like, it's fine. The phrase, it's fine. Things are fine. Things are good. Things are smooth. And so maybe, you know, as a parent, and we th- as we think about politeness, um, maybe as a parent, we should be focusing on kindness. Maybe we should be focusing on goodness. And we should trust that if we're raising kind and good, I mean, I don't mean well-behaved. I mean, good at the core. Young people, kids are, are you know, developing adults, if you will, maybe respect and a sense of politeness emerges from that kindness. What if we started again internally from a sense of kindness, treating each individual that you meet in the world as enough, as human, as deserving of your kindness, what would emerge? maybe a new form of politeness. So how could we show up in a way that promotes kindness, not just politeness, because politeness really does feel like fitting in, right? You're just smoothing it over, you're grinning and getting through it. It's sort of an automaticity to the the words that come, the ma'ams, the, the sirs that come with politeness. And what would happen if you led with kindness? Probably some form of politeness, but perhaps less 
polished and more authentic. This also got me thinking about transitions, right? Because as I said earlier in the week, I had this great conversation with a, a friend and he said that, you know, part of what he had been thinking about with this idea of you have arrived and you are enough <clears throat> is is the work around transitions that I've done. And so we, we talked a little bit about transitions and we sort of started thinking about this idea of quality of transitions. And I'm still sort of mulling this over. So it's, I'm really riffing on it with you as I, as I record this pod. And something that came up for us was this idea that maybe transitions and the discomfort that I wrote about in my book and that we talk about on this pod, the, the worry, the fear, the anxiety, um, the excitement, all the things that come up, maybe some of that discomfort is a result of, um, you know, m- the moving away or moving toward self. So if you think about, for example, if, you, if you're able to name your core values. So let's say you, you prioritize connection. I'm just going to use mine, right? My core values are around um, connection, authenticity, um, integration, and inclusivity. Those are really my four, right? Connection, authenticity, integration, and inclusivity. So if those are my core values, right, and I am in the midst of either considering a transition, I'm in a transition, and I'm feeling some discomfort, well, maybe I should be checking in on my core values and see how that transition aligns or doesn't align with my core values, right? So just in thinking about this, and again, like I am at the very early stages of processing this, so it's it's really in draft form. So what if the discomfort is sending me a message, right? So the question that comes up for me is, what is that message, right? Like what's discomfort trying to tell me? Well, on the one hand, maybe the anxiety is that it's bumping up against my values. So the it's the easiest answer that came to me was, well, maybe it means that this isn't a high quality transition. Maybe, you know, I'm having to sacrifice in the um, integration piece. Maybe like I'm not able to show up as my full self for some reason, right? Maybe I'm, <clears throat> I'm being required to hide a part of me. I don't know, right? So bumping up against values, creating a tension, right? Some, doing something and moving in a way that doesn't honor your core values might create that discomfort. It's also possible that there's a fear of the consequences of leaning into your values, right? So maybe the discomfort is letting you know that there's a fear there, right? That maybe this is a high quality transition, but there's a worry. So the question is, what will happen if I prioritize my values and lean into this transition? I know I'm going to be 
<clears throat> let's take um let's take a job, right? Cuz I recently, well, it's actually a year ago um this spring that I decided to transition from a job I had had for, you know, about almost 15 years um and move into a whole new space. And so what if the fear was I am choosing my core values over other things like the security of having a job for 15 years, the security of known entity and known quantity and knowing the work and knowing the classes and the colleagues and sort of the rhythm of the day. Um, Finances, like there would be a change in finances moving from one to the other. There would be a change in expectations and leadership There was lots of uncertainty, right, in these transitions. But, or an and, right, I was going to be able to live into my core values a little bit more. So so all of this is to say it's interesting to think about transitions from a point of self, right? From if, as I said early on in this, this short, if this life is a quest of sorts and a quest to really understand self, right? Then maybe these transitions that we find ourselves in is sort of contributing to our understanding of self is is generative in in adding to our understanding of self or adding to ourself like literally providing opportunities for us to lean into self, right? So this is where you're able to sort of lean into your core values. Or maybe we find ourselves in transitions where we lose part of ourselves or our whole selves. And so that quest then becomes um, like a, I don't know, retracing our steps of sort, not going backwards, but maybe finding another route, right? So I'm thinking about, as I mentioned, I was hiking yesterday. So if you if you take this quest metaphor literally, these different sort of turns you might take on a hike could be different kinds of transitions. So sometimes the transitions we select and the discomfort that we have you know, leans into our core values so it becomes generative and so it's it's expanding, it's enhancing, it's lighting up um, things that we care about in ourselves, right? And other times we take a, a part of the, the hike that perhaps um, isn't generative. It's, it's, a choice that we make that requires us to hide part of ourselves. I'm not saying you don't get some benefit out of it, but like if the quest is to come back to self, to believe we have arrived and then to live that out, maybe some of these transitions and the discomfort that is accompanying these transitions is about that tension, that bumping up against our core values, right? And so as I think about circling back and and that hike, I'm not saying that we retrace our steps and come exactly backwards, but perhaps that means that while we're on that leg of the hike, we take another turn, another turn that leads us 
closer into our core values, right? I'm not talking about, I want to be clear here, I'm not talking about destiny. Um, I'm not saying that all roads on a hike lead us to one point. What I am saying, though, and what I think I believe, and again, this is in draft form, so I'm, I'm keeping it, you know, drafty, if you will. Like, I'm still thinking this through. I think what I do believe, though, is that this, we, the hike, the metaphor of the hike, of the quest, I feel like we are pulled by our core values. And those core values might change a little bit, you know, as we continue on this quest, right? They, like, they may morph into something new. You may add, because I can tell you, I initially had um, authenticity, um, community, and inclusivity, and then I later included integration. Um, I strongly believe that family is in there as well. So, there's sort of a core set of values for me that that morph into newness. But I think that like if we're circling back on a transition that maybe wasn't optimal for us or didn't resonate with us, it's not that there's one destiny. It's just that perhaps we are drawn, if we are paying attention, if we're being intentional and if we're being present for ourselves, we are drawn back to the places that take us towards our core values. Those places, this is where I, this is where I, destiny doesn't work because I don't, I don't think it's destiny. The places can look and feel and be different. Like a place that you might end up could take on, I don't know, an infinite number of iterations. But I think what's common is the idea of self, who you are at the core, and that the work we do um, in our lives is to hopefully honor those core values in whatever spaces you find yourself. And I, I wonder if if we're awake, if we're present, if we're attending, if we're processing, if we are showing up as kind human beings who are willing to give up some politeness to be courageous and vulnerable, I wonder if this journey is back to self. That it's not, it's not one singular place. There are lots of ways that you could show up as self. Probably a lot of ways that you hadn't even imagined. Um, I mean, I can, I can tell you with full honesty that as a 20-something, as a 30-something, I couldn't have imagined all the amazing opportunities I've had. I couldn't have imagined having three wonderful, beautiful, wild, and joyful kids that I have. I couldn't have imagined the amazing friends I would meet in my, you know, later adult years um, that I would end up living in this cool town in Massachusetts that, you know, I, all I'm, the, all of that is to say that it's not, this isn't a destiny. This isn't like a one shot deal. This is 
figuring out the quest is to to name right to notice and name who we are to notice and name what matters to us how we matter to others and then take the routes plural that honor those core values i think in my draft of these ideas that life is a quest to belong to self and to find places and spaces in this big beautiful world that honor your wanting to belong to self and that they honor you as yourself that you are enough and I think and that brings me to the last um, part of this this short I think that's what's been so amazing about the work that Brianne and I are doing this year and really in, in past pods is that I think she and I both have arrived at this idea that belonging, this sense of belonging, that we as educators, as facilitators, as podcasters, we can't control or force or dictate or whatever that verb is people to feel a sense of belonging we can't we can't create belonging that perception of belonging for any one person what we have decided I think from the data what we believe is true is that we can have some say in the conditions that are needed to invite a sense of belonging, that we can learn how to hold space for each other, to be kind, um, not just politeness, not a fitting in, but a real holding space for each other. And I think, again, I feel like this is, I don't know what the visual, it feels circular, right? Because in order the other thing I think she and I both believe, and I think Brianne would be okay with me with saying this, is that the other thing we believe is that in order to learn to create these conditions of belonging, you know what I'm going to say, right? That this starts with self. <laughs> that you have to do your own work. That it would be really, really hard for anyone to authentically hold space for another human being to show up willing to be vulnerable. You can't, you just can't do that without doing your own work, learning that you are enough. It doesn't mean you're there. Like I will be honest, like I have lots of days where I don't believe I'm enough. So I think part of the self work is being able to show up in these spaces and admit that. Admit that you have imposter syndrome. Admit that you don't have the confidence. Admit that you're uncomfortable, that you're nervous, that whatever shows up. But that but that comes with your self-work. And something that um, I'm working on, which I'm really excited about, is um, I'm getting ready to officially launch <clears throat> um my sort of side business of coaching. And know I've talked about it on the pod. And so I'm doing some work around that and thinking about, um, you know, how, how to do this kind of work with my own clients. And something 
that I've been playing with is, and we say this a lot on this pod, and we had this great conversation with Jessica um, a few weeks ago, and she brought the, the um, I think it was the five A's, and we, Brian and I were talking about how those were such great verbs for thinking about holding space. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I would recommend that you go back and, and check it out. It was a really good one. And so I started playing with the <clears throat> with the words holding space and I was thinking, and of course, you know, I love alliteration. You also know that I love to try to take words and then have them represent something else. And so right now I'm playing with this idea of holding space and, and holding. So if you spell holding, right, we're talking about humility, openness, listening, diverse perspectives, intentionality, noticing, and gathering feedback, right? These are all things that are important to be able to hold space. So being, humility is being humble, staying open to possibilities and ideas, listening, so, so important, not needing to talk, but to listen, to lean in and listen, diverse perspectives. This work doesn't happen and belonging is not invited into a space if you're not willing to hold space for diverse perspectives. Being intentional, noticing what shows up, noticing how people are reacting, noticing when something needs to be adjusted or changed or added and gathering feedback, right? This is a something that Brianne and I love about our podcast is this, this, um, reciprocal nature right it's it's a it's a dialogue it's not just us asking questions and other people answering it's a back and forth it's a it's an agreement between a group of people to engage together so holding space a stillness a presence active reflection courage and expansion or expansiveness right so stillness is related to listening and there's this really great um I was reading I'm trying to think if it was a book or an article it doesn't really matter but I was reading an article and then I was speaking to another new friend who I'm super excited Taylor who was on the podcast stillness reminded me of this idea of having a calm nervous system right being able to show up in a space and bring a calmness a stillness to a space presence is just showing up, right? Attending to the individuals or the person in the room. Active reflection is related in a lot of ways to gathering feedback. So if you're actively reflecting, um, you know, in the moment, sort of checking in with yourself, asking others, checking in with them is, is again, related to feedback. Having the courage to show up, to be vulnerable and, the E, I will be honest, this is still in draft form. The E, I'm struggling with. So if you have ideas, let me know. I'm going with expansive right now or expansiveness because it feels similar to two diverse perspectives and openness. Just being open and expansiveness to me is like possibilities and wideness of a space, right? So right now, holding space for me represents humility, openness, listening, diverse perspectives, intentionality, noticing, gathering feedback, a stillness, a presence, active reflection, courage, and expansiveness. So 
we will see. As I said, Brianna and I will be doing lots of um, data analysis and coding this summer. And I wonder as we get into the data if those words around holding space will show up. I don't know. We will see. I'm going to be paying close attention to see what's important. What are those conditions for belonging? What does it mean to hold space? And I'm, I'm really excited to see what, what our guests have said about that and what words they use. So, <clears throat> so I would say at the end of the day, belonging, you know, is is a curiosity. Belonging is critical. Um, we know from Maslow's hierarchy that, <coughs> excuse me, it is first and foremost in terms of survival. <clears throat> when we are very, very young, we will do just about anything to feel a sense of belonging. And we know as we get older, we become aware of systems, social expectations, social norms, social constructs, groups that we're in, social identities that sometimes get in the way of seeing who we are. And I think um, the, the longer I do this work and the older I get and the longer I'm a parent of, of young human beings, I do wonder, you know, maybe as I said, this life is is a quest of sorts. It's a quest to not just find and see our true selves, but then reflect our true selves out into the world, into the spaces we find ourselves, into the work we do, into the way we show up for others. And so I think Brian and I, I don't think I know, Brian and I are super excited to venture into season five. Is it really gonna be our fifth year? Um, to venture into conversations around belonging to self. So if you have any ideas for guests that we should invite onto the pod, please reach out to me, Borkowski at gmail.com. Love to hear your ideas. We have been so fortunate this season to speak with so many different guests, um, and we are looking forward to meeting more people in the future. Thanks so much to everybody for listening to this short that turned out to be a little bit longer than a regular short, but hopefully that's okay. All right, everybody, this has been another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Borkowski. Brianne, I hope you're having a fantastic time on your vacation. And for everybody else, no matter what you're doing today, whether you're working, playing, or on vacation yourselves, please be good to each other and take care and be kind to yourself. All right, everybody, be well. Under the glaciers of your last year Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. 
head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.